Welcome to the Questionable to Return podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Nick. This is Remember Sports, Episode 4, the story of the 2008 Milwaukee Brewers. Sabathia goes the distance, three to nothing. Fielder lays in the run. Deep left center field. Prince Fielder! A walk-off winner! All tied at one. Braun swings, line drive, deep left field, and it's gone! A grand slam! Mets and the Brewers, you know the deal. Dead even in the wild card standings with one game remaining. Outstanding numbers, and he's 5 0 here at Miller Park in nine starts, a 2.03 earned run average. On the corner, a called strike three. Sabathia only getting stronger here in the late inning. Gary, as you just mentioned, bottom of the seventh, bases loaded. The sixth pitcher for the Cubs, Michael Words, walks Craig Council, and now we've got a tied ball game in Milwaukee, one to one. Almost like we're watching two because of the Milwaukee-Chicago game. Yep. Both games at the bottom of the seventh. Both games tied. Dolmes hits it in the air to deep left field. Back goes Chavez to the track at the wall. It's out of here. Pinch hit home run for West Helms has given the Marlins a 3-2 lead. 3-2 to Dan Uglo. Slider hit in the air to deep left field. Back goes Chavez looking up at the wall and it's out of here. Back-to-back home runs for Helms and Uglo and it's 4-2 Florida. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well. And it's gone. Milwaukee Ryan Braun has just hit a two-run homer with two out of the bottom of the eighth his 37th of the year and now the Brewers lead the Cubs three to one everybody in this place is standing 45,299 Sabathia sets here it is swinging a bouncer double play ball JJ second relay Sabathia, 
Hamilton's deep. Back goes Maven. He has room, and Maven makes the catch. And for the second straight season, the Mets' year ends in abject disappointment on the final day. Shea Stadium will be put to bed. The Milwaukee Brewers have won the wild card. Um, all right, so the Brewers are coming off of a, a scrappy 07 where they pull off 83 wins in the Ryan Braun coming out party. They're two games shy of the playoffs. Um, ultimately, this team, the 08 Brewers that we're hitting on right now, uh, would finish 90 and 72 and clinch their first playoff berth since 1982. Um, they were, I found some preseason projections. They were projected to be exactly 500 by two different sources. Um, right after the Ryan Brown breakout party. The the big offseason moves are gone. Our Capuano, uh, I, I just call him Cap. I don't even know how to say his name. Anybody know? <laughs> yeah, Chris Capuano. You got yeah, it. Uh, Vargas and Cordero are gone. Cordero, the you know, fireball-y reliever Col- that everybody loves. Coco. Yep. Um, replaced by major innings upticks from an assembled bullpen of Torres, Mota, and Gagne had a one-year flyer for like 10 mil. I just remember Gagne, like, didn't we have Hoffman the year after? So this was like the year of signing really crappy, clo- like really good closers that end up like turning sh- coming to Milwaukee. I was going to say, Gagne, I remember this one where he was so bad that he bought tickets for fans. <laughs> that's great. So that's kind of setting the stage for, for the season. Oh, you're, um, you're, mis- you're missing the best pitcher of all, Jeff Supan. Soup pitch great. He, he also pitched a lot of innings in 07, too. Soup so. pitch great. <laughs> he, he was on the roster. That is correct. <laughs> Worst trade ever. Yeah, three years of that junk. All right, let's move on. So the season starts with uh, Ben Sheets getting his record sixth and final opening day start, which was a win at Wrigley. He also starts the All-Star game that year. Uh, and the crew comes out firing on all cylinders. They start the season six and one. Um, late April, things are going pretty well. They're 14 and 11. Um, they begin a three-game set at Wrigley, and this is just three days in a row of absolute insanity if, in Brewers history. Um, uh, April 29th is Sheets, Sheets' win, and the Brewers move within one of the Cubs. Uh, April 30th is the final Derek Turnbull MLB appearance. He gives up six earned runs on two-thirds of an inning, and the Brewers Turnbull. lose. More like turn low. <laughs> Who would have known major league hitters can hit hundred mile an hour fastballs if you just throw them down the middle every time? <laughs> he appropriately would come out of the bullpen to Metallica, like yeah, give, give me great. <laughs> um, Brewers would lose that game nineteen to five, and then uh, May first, Giovanni's third start of the season. He's injured on the base paths, out for the remainder of the regular season. Uh, his two thousand eight return was doubtful. But he did come back to start the first playoff game. Can you just say Spoiler he was alert. to return so we have the we can use that in promos? <laughs> okay, definitely don't edit this part. You could say that Giovanni Gallardo was questionable to return. Oh, nailed it! Nailed it! Nailed it. And I got the hot. Play the it. music. Bing, bing, bing. All right, I got the title line. Send it. <laughs> um, so two months later, Giovanni's out. Um, Sheets is getting ready to start the All-Star game, and the crew is about five games back. And here comes the CC Sabathia trade that would define the season. Um, they traded for him uh, July 6th 
uh, in the evening. He They squeeze in a start with him July 8th so they could get two in before the All-Star break. Um, his first start, six innings, two earned runs, gets the win. Second start is Sunday afternoon, July 13th, and the crew wins 3-2 to two as CC pitches the full nine innings, and he also hits a home run. So, <laughs> yeah, like, CC could hit. Yeah. The, it was it was all the buzz like going into the right around the All Star break of like this is the first time in our lives that the Brewers have ever made like the marquee rental acquisition and it was pretty well known that he was gone after the season but you know everybody's pretty pumped about it um and that trade was uh, Laporta uh some pitcher who never did anything and a player to be named later who. Um, they got the better of the players to be named later because we made the playoffs, and that guy actually wound up being Michael Brantley. Yeah, who's still still around and a good hitter. He was the three hitter for the Astros last year. Probably <laughs> cheated. Cheating Astros. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's an interesting trade because Laporta was supposed to be the gem in that trade, and uh, he turned yeah. out to be nothing. Is this the year that we went to Cleveland and we watched Laporta? Mm, they all kind of blend together. Yeah. <laughs> it might be 9 I don't remember. Pinchy, whatever your pinchy was. Yeah. Was it all nine? Oh nine. Sorry. Oh nine. Okay. I should know that. I should know that about my favorite pet of all time. Uh, for the uninitiated, Mike won a lobster out of a crane in Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. Just just go back to January of twenty eighteen episodes. It's in there. Okay. <laughs> um, again for the uninitiated, it survived approximately eight hours in a dirty cooler with a a bar rag full of sea salt. No. <laughs> Yeah, you have it all wrong. It was a luxurious homemade aquarium. <laughs> all right, let's stop before PETA comes after us. We're drunk. We're drunken guys. Decided how much salt? Which, what's the salt ratio for this? They're just <laughs> dumping it in freehand. Tab- not table salt. You think Peter's gonna? Come, you think Peter's? If you think Peter's gonna come after me, they got bigger bones to pick with wet markets ruining the world. <laughs> On one hand, lobsters don't make good pets for alcoholics. <laughs> on the other lobsters don't make good eating in dirty cleveland bars at 2000 at like two in the morning they said know. that I've was never the- seen that machine ever in my life again they were disturbed that you didn't want to eat it because that was the point you caught a lobster and they cook it for you and they're like wait 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 you want to take it home yeah we're taking it home you like, didn't want to he wanna pretended eat, uh... to be insulted he was like uh it's my lobster put it in a foam container and put it in a doggy bag i want it I didn't want to eat, uh, eat the catch of the day from the Cuyahoga River. So <laughs> you might have the COVID immunity if you would have. Yeah, that's true. I missed my chance. Nah, he would have been dead before the COVID game. So CC's bath, yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, that's there's also a baseball. There's also a baseball season back then. Yeah. God, we get uh, we get really stuck on Cleveland. I, I got a handful of crazy CC stats. It's just the the most dominant half season I've ever seen. Um, he started 17 times, including seven complete games. In those 17 starts, the Brewers would go 14 and three. His official record was 11 and two. He posted a 1.65 ERA, um, and in 14 of those 17 games, he gave up two or less earned runs. The other three, he gave up three, three, and four. He um, also had a no hitter in there. Uh, that's all, put that's that right. Almost, yeah, with the the didn't give him an error. E nine, yeah. Um, we had three shutout over, games too. 
which he, he was which, just bonkers. Yeah, it was like the second half of the season. He had three shutouts, which was uh, his career high, except for in 08 in Toronto. He was so dominant that there was talk about some sports writers are saying he should win the Cy Young just based on his time with the Brewers. Like ignore because yeah. because it's like when you have a two different leagues handing out awards, they were like, should he qualify for the American League or the National League? And some writers were like, just take his National League stats, and I'd still vote for him for Cy Young. That's how insanely and, dominant he was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, towards the end of the season, he was pitching every three days. And despite yeah. the fact that he's a rental, over half of those starts were on four days rest, including the final three games on three days rest, culminating with game 162, a complete game, zero earned run suffocation of the Cubs, while a jittery Miller Park turned its attention to the scoreboard to watch Mets Marlins. And it was if the Marlins would have beaten the, if the Marlins beat the Mets at the last game at Shea Stadium ever, uh, they, the Brewers advance to the postseason, and if the Mets win, it forces a game 163, which was going to be at, does anybody remember? Was it Shea or Miller? I think it was at Shea. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, uh, my, well, then some random, I don't want to say young girl, but uh, my wife is at, at Shea Stadium watching it, and like all the Mets fans just head in their hands, like just raging. They're all wearing their like commemorative last day at Shea lanyards with their little like passes. They bring out all the greats for the after ceremony and people are just like booing as they leave the field early. And so she, she had the Giants the year before we got the Brewers now. So the no eight. Yeah, this is your revenge. Even though you didn't know her yet back then, this is your revenge game. Yeah, I have a ethical dilemma to before I kind of go into rattling off my the, the lineup and favorite players. Uh, my my wife says the deal that she uh, desires is I'm I get the Packers and she gets the Mets. And Woof. that's that's the offered trade. Uh, I'm um, fine with it being an Islanders fan because we don't have a hockey team. I think I think it's up to him. I think he's a person too, and I think Dad's cooler, right? Yeah, dads get all the sports. No, doesn't count. He's a Brewer fan. I'm gonna send you a Brewer onesie now. I think I, it, it will. That will wind up, uh, unfortunately, in the garbage. So what would happen? Yeah. So Why every, she, like, if I this... sent you something, if QTR sent you something every month, Brewers, <laughs> she would throw it out. I 100. percent I've never gotten your son a gift. She would throw it out right in the trash. Disrespect. And actually, even if you just bought something that you thought was nice. Other people buying our kids clothes. Ugh. Her uh, her favorite sports team is the Mets, right? Like that's her super fan team. Yeah, she I, travels to see them and whatever else. You just you let that's like throwing money away. Have, <laughs> you let her have the Mets, and then you just take your son to Brewers games constantly, and then that's where you just brainwash him into being like, "Isn't this better than cheering for a team that's like." 1500 right. miles away next <laughs> next road trip she takes to go watch the mets say you're going to keep the sun home and then you just send her screenshots of all of us with said little one at miller park <laughs> soon to be an fam perfect we didn't really have a wedding so this is kind of our vows though <laughs> <laughs> so if i do that i may as well just cheat on her while she's gone too oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys are really the romantic types. This is your vows. It's perfect. Sweet. Uh, so those are eight brewers. 
<laughs> Marriage um, is annulled if if he goes to a brewer game, huh? <laughs> <laughs> the, these eight Brewers are uh, like like I said, way I, better I, than I the Mets. I fell in love with the Packers uh, when the when the Brewers went on strike or the baseball went on strike, and 08 was, I mean, like we said earlier, me and Mike were unemployed for a large part of the season, <laughs> so you can watch a lot of baseball, like all 162 games. We would uh, we'd watch uh, training camp and uh, listen to Brewers on the radio. It was quite the quite the fun time. <laughs> you were the you were the two young. Young twenty-year-olds with the big radio headphones in the Packer stands. Nowadays, I say baseball is a great sport for like the radio and like background noise and the whole experience of baseball is like you check box scores and you can't catch every game. Uh, our whole lives were planned around this season, so <laughs> I was uh, completely in love with with this team. Uh, and part of it is there is just uh, a complete movie cast of characters that that um, made it what it was. So here's a pretty typical lineup from 08 and each guy's got like a part in the in the bad news bears movie um ricky weeks is the the swaggy top pick uh jj hardy is the pretty boy i think he was the only brewer that they made pink jerseys of uh ryan braun is the cocky hot shot uh prince is the i mean he's just the team alpha he's got the highest bmi of any player in mlb history <laughs> next to his dad he's, such, he's uh He's such a hard ass that he punched Manny Parra in the face for, <laughs> for trying to go to the showers early. Um, Corey Hart is the awe. Shucks right, country boy, betting fifth. Sixth is Bill Hall, the fallen star. Um, he would often platoon with Russell Brandon, and later on they picked up uh, 14-year major leaguer Ray Durham. Uh, and then we had Cameron, who was like the untuckum kind of dad of the team, kind of heart and soul center fielder. And then Kendall is the gritty old schooler you know, had terrible facial hair, old man catcher. Kendall was one of those guys. He kind of had the Brett Favre appeal. I remember when the, after they clinched, they asked him how he's going to celebrate. He's like, probably go home and have a few beers. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, Jason, you, you're going to do that? Me too. All the Wisconsin uncles rejoiced. <laughs> like uh, on the bench, he got two future managers. He got Gabe Kapler and Craig Council, who's the 37-year-old sage. Uh, and Br- Russell Brannion's like the the three true outcome long baller who hits a, a home run in the bottom of the ninth at Andy's bachelor party. An unsung moment. I don't remember that. Uh, <laughs> no, were you as drunk as Chris? No, nobody was as no, drunk as Chris. Nobody in the stadium true. had to be we, drug out of that stadium by security. Can we, can we talk about that for just one second? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so he's passed out. At that point, at that point, they tell us that he needs to leave. Why? No, no, not that he needs to leave, that he's a danger to everyone else and he's a danger to children Uh in the Bear Club of all places where there's no kids. It was the Gill Club. Gill Club. Club. But it's, he's not hurting or disturbing anyone. He's, he's literally just face planted on the table. Yeah, Yeah, he's peacefully passed out on the ground. I don't know what the problem is. (laughs) But it was, it was, he caused more damage and destruction having to carry him out <laughs> than he would have yeah, been just staying there. That's, we all said, please, no, don't wake him up. <laughs> yeah, we woke him up. By the time we got him to the bus, he was missing a shirt, and he was just a mess. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that Daryl was there, right? Yeah, Daryl from Grivitz? Dad was there. Daryl from Grivitz? Dad who owns a hardware store, yeah. yeah. He was just napping at the stadium. Like That's, that's like orderly behavior for Miller Park. <laughs> yeah. 
on a Saturday. Yeah, that school bus ride home was fantastic. Like seriously, forty thousand people at Miller Park. How many of them are vomiting drunk <laughs> on a given Saturday night game? Fifty. Yeah, he's not yelling. He's not starting fights. He's just <laughs> sleeping. He was angry when I was lifting him to carry him out. <laughs> Leave me uh, here. Just on on the topic of drunk Miller Park, I think it's really kind of a funny rite of passage that going into the stadium from the parking lot, you have to go past TGI Friday, TGI Fridays, where like it's just always these like really drunk girls with you know little ponytails hanging out of the back of their hats, and their eyes are half shut. And they got a drink in one hand and a cigarette in the other. <laughs> and they're just like not even interested in the game in the slightest. Classic Wisconsin lady. I, th- I say that's where you go to find a wife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I have to say this might be the only season on our list that I wasn't disappointed as much at the end of the season when we did uh, end up losing to the Phillies who won the World Series, I believe. Um, so... I don't know. This this season was like it finally was starting. So this was the start of really the Brewers and yeah. that they were starting to be like a really good team and with Anasio and uh yeah, it was we saw all that all the the picks kind of come up and and uh start to do something really really fun. Yeah, just breaking the uh playoff drought streak. I was so sick of seeing the Brewers show up on those lists of like which sports teams haven't been to the playoffs in the longest and the Brewers are always on there and yeah, Breaking that, just making the playoffs felt like an accomplishment. Like, all right. And like you said, this is the start of something. Like, we don't have to hear any of that again of like, the Brewers need to just make the playoffs to get that streak over. This was kind of the start of, we have some star players. Let's actually build a contending team. And the no expectations, I think, is what makes this one so fun. Like, the Brewers had just been such punching bags our entire lives. Like, uh, I, we did when we did get jobs in Green Bay. Um, it was like horrible retail slash like shopping mall kind of places, and um, I would. It was almost like every single day was counting down the days to like okay, when did at least we got CC on Thursday? Like um, my my like rambling half autistic inner monologue. Uh, that whole season was just like, are the Brewers going to win? Are the Brewers going to win? Like uh, that that would just flow through my head kind of during a lot of our idle time and. The answer my entire life up until that season was probably not. And this was when we're like, okay, we could actually do it. I remember having earnest conversations with Mike about like, all right, seriously though, but if we get in the playoffs, do you think we got a chance? And Mike was like, we'd be, we'd be pretty significant underdogs, but I still, it's sports, you know, uh, once you get in there, there is a chance, even if it's closer to 1% and uh, it, it just felt like, man, we could, we could actually do it. And so when we do make it to the playoffs, and get trounced one game to four, one game to three, whatever it was. Uh, it still, it still was well worth it to actually get there and have a shot. Yeah, and I think I think what was interesting this year too is like we first had to the to debate watching a Packer game. We had Brewers and Packers on the same Sunday, I believe, and that was like yeah. crazy in my mind. Is like I'm not gonna. So I actually think I had two TVs somehow set up back then. I don't know. I think I maybe had ticket, but um, whatever. But yeah, I think it was the one one first time in our lifetime, which is crazy to say that that uh, we had that debate of Brewers playoffs or Packers. I have a memory of being at Buffalo Wild Wings in Green Bay, and they had both Packers and Brewers on. And you know, it's Green Bay; you're gonna it's gonna be Packers everywhere. I was shocked at the amount of people wearing Brewers stuff 
Like I, I just never experienced anything like that, especially not in Green Bay. Yeah, the Brewers felt so relevant for like yeah. the first time in our lives. And I think is it, I don't know if this is the season that Prince did it, his little home run thing the year before or whatever against the Cardinals, and then it was kind of Cardinals stuff, right? This is the, that the, this is the years that the Cardinals really, really hated us because yeah. last year, the year before, we were pretty bad. Right? Ryan Braun did Prince, some bat flip or something. Well, Prince did that where he had a home run, and then everybody came out and fell down when he hit the home plate against the Cardinals, I believe. Right? Yeah, I think you're right. And that's- so this was kind of interesting. I think I think everybody kind of loved this team because it just had that swagger, that young team swagger. They had Mike Cameron who would untuck it and everybody hated that, but it was just like we had something that we could really cheer for. And it was kind of nice being the hated team almost. Yeah. Yeah. The Tony LaRusso and the Cardinals became like our rivals. Kind of, they had always been good. It was kind of nice to uh, like see their fans get so upset. Like normally we weren't even on their radar, but the fact that they were annoyed with us was great. Like I loved it. Yeah. There's a, a meme on the on the Packers Reddit this week of uh it showed like Anakin Skywalker in Star Wars Episode Three super deep nerd cut here and he's just going I hate you uh and his eyes are like blood red with rage <laughs> and it says bears and Viking or Vikings and lions and then it says the next frame is the Packers over Don Draper's base and he goes I don't think of you at all <laughs> Don Draper of Mad Men yeah. that's that's the Cardinals to the Brewers and actually being under their fan skin for once in our lives is like the the scrappy, cocky, bat flipping Untuckum team. Uh, it it actually felt nice to get noticed for once. Yeah, yeah. This was like the first big team in like the modern like playoff format that we finally turned it around because we had some really crappy years in the late nineties, early two thousand, like early two thousand ish time frame where we just didn't weren't relevant but like it was it was the first time i really really enjoyed the i always liked the brewers i was a big brewer fan and whatever else but there was nothing really to look forward to this was the first team you kind of really look forward to and watching them go throughout the season since like the like robin yount years where they only had basically they only had two divisions and it was really hard to make the playoffs but those are some good brewers coming out of the late 80s early 90s and then it was a big drought until like this team came along so like even even the the bullpen had like Villanueva, McClung, uh, Torres, and and this was the debut of that. Who was that pitcher that would sprint out to the the mound? Uh, Todd Coffee. This was the debut of big fat pitcher racing out of the bullpen. <laughs> Redheaded <laughs> Todd Coffee. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, there were some hiccups along the way, like Eric Gagne losing the closing job right away. Uh, well, Ned Yost getting fired mid-season, well, late season. Late, late season, like there was no reason he should have lost his job. And then Gagne, so, I, rem- I, rem- I vividly remember Gagne, like, he was supposed to be really good coming out of like the really crappy Turnbull years. Yeah, and, I guess uh, Gagne had been suspended for steroids right before this, right? And yeah. There and, was concern about how durable he'd be after. And I remember him buying tickets for Brewers fans as a like apology, which was I thought was pretty good on his part. Like you yeah. never really saw that ever before that but he bought like whole sections of tickets which i got to partake it was probably some of the best baseball seats i think i've had <laughs> wait did he individually give you your money back for witnessing a blown save <laughs> <laughs> no he just like bought games you could go into a lottery and you got to get tickets if your name came up so i think the main reason that yost was fired they had like a kind of a bad run 
Yeah, I was um, just looking at it up yeah, too. Yeah, so they had a bad run, but I also think he kind of mismanaged a lot of stuff. And then I hope, I think like the whole Supon stuff kind of blew up in his face because I think he really defended Supon a lot. I'm, I'm remembering during that season, I think he has a lot of really good gems of him talking. But of course, Ned Yost went on to win with the the Royals, but the Royals were a young team. And I think with this Brewer team, they were starting to get a little bit older as they kind of moved on. So I don't think he was a really good uh, fit for them. And I think he really learned from the Brewers and he really did a great job with the Royals. But I think that was mostly the reason because they just wanted to kind of spearhead and get, get the team going. And everybody really loved Dale Swain, I guess, in that locker room. Yeah, they were, they're a combination of older pitchers, but a lot of young hitters. And I don't know, it, it seemed like the pitching was a concern. Uh, the Brewers were 80 and 56 at one point and then they lost 11 of 14 and that's when Yost got fired was after that stretch where they only won three out of 14 games they, they do end the season uh six and one while the Mets are going three and six to- yeah that was the Mets like huge drop wasn't it yeah yeah like historic Historic-ly historically yeah. bad yeah of blowing a lead <laughs> Hey, we needed to get a little lucky, I guess, to uh, to make it in. But hats off to CC for like in a effectively like a contract year. He could have very reasonably been like, uh, "No, I'm not going to blow out my arm. Yeah. Give me four or five days rest at least." And he goes three days, three days, three days to to end it. That's pretty insane. Yeah, I think he legitimately loved Milwaukee, and yeah, not that we had a chance. We didn't have a chance, but I think. He really did love Milwaukee, and he, if he wasn't as good as he was that season, he probably he might have stayed. That's who knows. But uh, they had so much money tied up in a lot of players; it would have been tough to keep him anyway. Yeah, he got an insane record-breaking contract with the Yankees. Yeah, and he was still he was still so beloved. They did a bobblehead for him after he was gone from the Brewers. He still had bobblehead day the next year because everyone was like, "I still love CC." Yeah, it was in the pose of when he did win that last game, I believe. Yeah, I think like the Brewers offered like something like eighty some million and he ended up signing seven years, one hundred and sixty one. the The season ends on uh, game one sixty two. There's like a a crazy double play to end it too. There's a great euchre call. Also, this is the year where the we got eight guys up at the cabin and we decide, you know, eight guys, eight position players. Let's do a let's make up a drinking game to pass the time. And uh, I think it was like you bid drinks. Did we tell the story on the podcast already? I don't think so. (laughs) We like bid drinks for players at the beginning. And then like, oh, it's got to be positions. Because Alba bids the most for Braun, but he gets left field and gets stuck with Kapler. And uh, (laughs) it was like a late, late change too. It was a Sunday, Sunday afternoon. So it was an obvious like players usually sit sometimes that day. (laughs) So it all comes into like a, this, the perfect drinking game storm comes together where like everybody's sitting in a circle and then eventually have to sit in order of batting. And if your guy gets on base, you get to cut, give out drinks for each base that he gets. And if he uh, gets out, you have to take drinks. And somebody jokingly says, in the ninth, it's doubled. And somebody goes, <laughs> what about the tenth? And then it's tripled. <laughs> and like it, it winds up being like a 13-inning game. <laughs> uh, and there's a, there's a, a fake walk-off that is absolutely... Um, ridiculously, I don't know, we, we couldn't have been more faked out. There's high fives, there's jumping around, there's like a whole bunch of celebration, and then there's this like five second 
pause of collective realization that the announcer is saying, oh, that one looked like a game winner, folks. Because we just heard Euchre saying, like, to left and deep, and we all started yelling so loud that you couldn't hear the radio anymore, so we missed the part where he said, caught by the left fielder. <laughs> but the best part about the clip you just described is Jeremy was the first person to hear that it was an out, not a walk-off home run, and he puts his hand up to say, wait, and someone high-fives it. <laughs> 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 so I, I just recently remade the video public because I'm not job hunting or anything. And I said, uh, if you Google Brewer Cabin Fake Out Redux, R-E-D-U-X. We'll like, tweet it out. Shorter version. Yeah, I got the longer version up there on mine. I, I showed a friend today and I'm like, I'm not sure if this is the greatest you had to be there moment of all time or if this is genuinely hilarious. Yeah, so, so <laughs> Gabe Kapler won that game. He went one for seven that game. One RBI, of course, with the home run. So that's pretty impressive, well, too, is that Kapler had the big payoff at the end. Yeah, so uh, the the big final thing was uh, our friend who had Gabe Kapler then got to hand out drinks, and we just decided it was best for him to pick out shots for everyone. And uh, I was in line. We all lined up to do shots. I was in line right behind you, Pete. Do you remember how, how your shot went? I remember. You took it down. And then you walked around the corner and you'd been eating um, Fruit Loops <laughs> and you just, you threw up a rainbow on the side. I don't remember that. Yeah. Well, you just I, sprayed a, a rainbow right on the side of the cabin. Yep. Wasn't you that his brother? No, that was, no, it was absolutely you. What? <laughs> his brother was there back then. I swear I wasn't eating those Fruit Loops. Yeah, I am positive. <laughs> his, his brother was there. He just wasn't it, drinking. Everyone's drinking for 13 innings in like 90 degree heat. The, <laughs> the amount of the amount of beer cans was incredible. Yeah, I got a yeah, lot of pictures the, on that day. The thing we did, we got a lot of hot, 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 drunk faces too, which are just like dejected. Like the, there was like a bottle, of, there was like a bottle of whiskey that had been sitting on the picnic table all day and was like 180 degrees on, <laughs> in temperature. You're like blowing on it before you do the shot. And yeah, Pete, I just remember you you held it in for like five seconds. You quick like ducked around the corner because it was like <laughs> this isn't gonna end well. <laughs> hot, uh, typical Pete. Hot August cabin weather. Like everything's green. Cicadas <laughs> are make like oh, it's just like sticky, wet, and gross. I can only imagine Grandma and Grandpa coming back up the weekend after. <laughs> no, I swear, Grandma and Grandpa only had one or two friends over as there's <laughs> chunks of Fruit Loops on the side of the cabin. <laughs> well, good times. Well, let's move on. we got to move on here. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Questionable to Return Sports Podcast. Send us your questions, read more about us, and more on our website, questionabletoreturn.com. Follow us on Twitter at Q2Return and Instagram at QuestionableToReturn. You can also like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash QuestionableToReturn. Follow each of the guys on Twitter. For Andy, at Andy, the number 9, M-A-N. Mike, at Mike R. Daly. And Pete, at P. Cozy with a K, Junior, J-R. Please consider giving us a five-star review, as well as sharing us with someone you know. 